0: To
1: the untrained eye, real estate is the business of shelter, of comfort, of home.
0: But industry insiders know that just behind the curtain resides a world teeming with innovation and disruption and sometimes brutal competition.
1: And there in the midst of it all stand our industry leaders, the folks with the answers to our million-dollar questions in real estate.
0: We've got one of those leaders here for you today. I'm
1: Jessica Edgerton.
0: And I'm Tarko Heidinga from a Leading Real Estate Companies of the World.
1: Let's pull back the curtain. Welcome to Million Dollar Question. This is a Soulfire production. Michael Normand is president of Normand & Associates, a Los Angeles real estate firm rooted in the luxury real estate world of Beverly Hills and beyond. Michael has taken over the helm of the business from his father, Saeed. Normand & Associates is the home to some of the top luxury agents in the country. In fact, Michael's mom, Myra, is herself an iconic luxury agent whose listings often evoke Hollywood fame and occasionally, as you'll hear from Michael in a moment, a healthy dose of Hollywood infamy. Michael is a leader who deeply loves his trade. He loves real estate and he loves people. This love of what he does, what his family has committed their craft to over generations, is one of the keys to Norman's ongoing success as one of the most elite real estate brokerages in a town known around the world For its luxury and glamour. Let's hear from Michael. Hey, Michael. Hi, Jessica. Great to see you. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. My pleasure. So, Michael, you are a real estate born and raised guy. Talk a little bit about Normandin Associates. Give give our listeners a picture of the size, the history, how it started, uh, what it's
0: about. All right. So I'm going to kind of start from the beginning. So the company is two generations, but I kind of look at it more that there's sort of the three different phases. There was uh, when my dad started it. So let's say like 76 to kind of the late 80s. Then there's the phase where my mom got involved. And that was kind of the late 80s uh, up until I got involved around Oh three. And then, uh, I started running it, um, kind of in the 2000 beginning of 2008 range. So my dad got started. It was a very boutique company. Uh, at the time in the mid seventies, everybody kind of had their name on the door. It was more like a community neighborhood involvement. And, um, my dad's niche was that my grandfather was still in Iran in the old country. And my grandfather had really good contacts and would send clients uh, this way and they would come into town and my dad would sell them a couple places and then they would go back to Iran. And that was sort of the main like focus of the business. So my dad was kind of in the international real estate business before it was trendy and uh, well received. So if you look up my dad, Saeed Normand, and you go to YouTube uh, and you look him up on on Donahue. You can kind of get a feel for what the environment was like there it was uh <laughs> it was definitely not diversity equity and inclusion it was very very different um so you yeah. fast forward my mom is a, um, a stay-at-home mom and my dad encourages her to get her real estate license so she does in the late 80s and she thinks she'll sell a couple houses a year and my mom <laughs> uh, fortunately is an overnight success and does really, really well. And her uh, business was much more entertainment industry oriented. So she had, you know, business managers, entertainment attorneys, and in Los Angeles, kind of in like the late 80s, 90s, entertainment was the dominant industry. So that was sort of how my mom's business went. And then I got my license right after high school. And so by the time I had finished at USC, I, I had already brokered a couple deals. I had worked admin jobs uh, during the summertime and um, my dad wanted to retire when he turned 60. So uh, as soon as he turned 60, end of 2007, January of 08, I got into the business. I got a very, very uh, good education. Um, I'm not going to say that it was the (laughs) the best thing that ever happened to me because it wasn't, but it was a very good learning lesson. I learned a lot. um, And I remember kind of like looking at, all right, how much money we have, how much cash we have, and how long that would last based on the current market and kind of going line item by line item. So um, that was sort of how I started. The company is three offices. We have an office in Beverly Hills an office in Brentwood, which is kind of uh, near the beach, near Santa Monica, and an office in Hollywood, which usually uh, doesn't need any uh, introduction just based on the history there. Uh, 175 agents in our best year, which was 2021, we did about $1.3 billion in sales volume. In uh, last year, we did about a $1 billion in sales volume. And uh, let's say that 600-plus uh, sales sites so close to uh, close to two million dollars on average price, probably somewhere in like the $1.8 range.
1: So you're what our immediate past chair Mike Pappas and colleague in the in the network refers to an, as a, as an sob, son of a broker. You you grew up in the business. You started in the business really trial by fire. There, um, what kept you? What what made you not say during this crazy onboarding of, of, your, of your profession, ah, I'm going to go, I don't know, run away with the circus.
0: So I was always fascinated by the business. I would listen to my parents talk about deals at the dinner table, and I wanted to sort of see like how it was going to come together, what the price was going to be, and... I noticed pretty quickly that my siblings were not as interested in that. Um, and then you kind of fast forward to like, okay, now my parents were a one office small company and it's the old days, right? Where do you have your office party? You have it at your house, right? Not like now where it's like, you know, you everyone is so careful and there are so many things you, you, you had it at your house and it was social and you know, people had a few drinks and ate and chatted and I loved it. I thought it was fun. And I know that when I told my dad that I thought it was fun, he said, oh, if you like doing this, like, you'll love this business. So I think at that point, I kind of knew that it was something that I was interested in. And then the people part of it, I like uh, being around people. I'm a social person by nature. So that was sort of, um, you know, what I what kind of drew me to it. And then I think what's kept me as one, obviously, as I already said, people. Uh, Two, I like looking at uh, houses, Um, you know, different architectural styles, different finishes, uh, layouts. Um, I've flipped some places over the years with clients. We've bought some apartment buildings over the years. Um, And then the last part is you're out of, you're not sitting in an office all day and every single day is different there's no two days that are exactly alike I have a, a very strange job where you know yes I'm I'm overseeing the company and I'm and I have three managers and they're uh, all uh, exceptional uh, all uh, so Howard Laurie, uh my VP who manages the Beverly Hills office Gavin Fleminger who manages my Brentwood office uh, Kimberly Turner who manages my Hollywood office so I get to to talk with them and and do things with them but I also get to broker deals too so you've got kind of Brokering deals is a little bit more of like the instant gratification and sort of the, the long-term uh, gratification is, you know, running the business, uh, helping people become more successful, helping new agents uh, get established. And to me, the ultimate highlight is when one of our agents buys their own property. That makes me really happy
1: you you say every day is different in this in this job and it certainly has been true for sort of the economy and the market as as a whole recently as well. Uh our chief economist Mercy Russell recently made main mention of of the economy being like the Mona Lisa smile. You look at it one one day and you walk walk into the museum the next day and it looks it looks different. You get a different read on it. Um it's it's a it's been a wild ride. Um what is the market looking like for you right now, it's also, of course, very specific to geography. So in, in LA, um, and in, in California, what's going on right now? Where's time on market? Where's inventory? What's the lay of the land for consumers and agents right now?
0: So as a generalization, inventory is very low with few exceptions. So the lower the price point, the hotter the market right now, affordable stuff, Entry level property, um, everybody wants it, flying off the shelf. And then, as you go a little bit higher on prices, it 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 cools off. It cools off some, um, and the inventory is what's keeping the prices strong in LA. You know, uh, there's not a lot of it. Uh, it's much more must move versus I'd like to move. So what you see right now is you see a lot of people who you know, whether their family's growing, they're relocating, uh, a divorce, a death, dementia, financial distress, there has to be a compelling reason to sell. Um, And then I would define, let's say the high end market is the $10 million plus market. So in the city of LA, they passed a measure called ULA. ULA is a new transfer tax to fund homelessness and um, that transfer tax is 4% on properties $5 million and up. And it's 5.5% on properties $10 million and up. So I think you can figure that uh, that went into effect for anything that closed escrow as of April 1st. So March had a large flurry of deals. And then April was kind of a thud. Um, but I think that we're back to a traditional market where... You have the spring and summer uh, selling seasons, which are really strong. And then you get kind of the holidays, which are, you know, uh, a little bit cooler and you get to enjoy vacation a little bit more.
1: So that's interesting. So in the in the upper price points, you've got ULA in terms of just the market as a whole. How sensitive are folks in your area right now to um, uh, shifts in in rates?
0: Very sensitive. Yeah. Uh, interest rates are are making it very difficult for people who want to buy. And it's just the, you know, the monthly payments have have doubled from what they were, let's say a year and a half ago, but there are still deals. There are still deals happening. People are figuring it out. Um, they're getting creative. Families are helping, um, and, uh, people are are finding a way to do it. But yeah, it's definitely, the number of sales in my market is definitely down significantly. And uh, it kind of started like June ish, twenty twenty two, where yep. as rates started to move up, the number of sales went down.
1: Are you seeing? Are you seeing an increase in cash?
0: Um, no, pretty steady. Yeah. I mean the. So when ULA was coming uh, in March, there was a maybe an increase in cash. Then you had people who were doing like very aggressively, uh, attractive, uh, kind of almost quasi vulture prices for quick closing. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, look, you know, I'm offering you, uh, uh, this amount and we can close in a week, but you're offering me like 15 or 20% off of our price when ULA is like five and a half percent. So like, we appreciate the gracious <laughs> offer that you've put in front of us, but we are going to respectfully decline.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So definitely some challenges right now in terms of what your um, agents are focused on, especially in the luxury market right now from a marketing uh, perspective. How are they how are they working with their consumers and what are buyers really looking for right now?
0: So I think buyers are kind of looking for a lot of the same things that started with COVID. You know, the um, two home offices, gym, more uh, entertainment space, screening rooms uh, pool, uh, larger backyards, all of that kind of stuff. And I know that there was definitely a shift towards more comfortable furniture, uh, furniture that you actually use rather than you just look at and ooh and ah, (laughs) like a museum. Um, and I think that during the beginning of COVID, you had sort of this suburban flight. You had all these people kind of going to suburban neighborhoods, you know, this idea that, oh, we don't need to be in the city anymore. We can get more for our money. We can get more space, more land. Because like if you're buying a house in like Beverly Hills and you want like two or three acres, it almost doesn't exist. There are very few properties where you're going to get more than one acre in Beverly Hills. And if you're looking for acres Um, you better have a plan to buy up several of your neighbor's houses (laughs) and good luck with that. Um, (laughs) Beverly Hills is not known for people giving away their houses for deals. You know, you're going to have to pay a nice hefty premium to, uh, make them move. And then some of the things that like my top listing agents are doing right now, there's a lot of kind of marketing around themes. So my mom listed the house where Bugsy Siegel was killed. Okay, that's so, so cool. It's really it's cool. cool. It's thing. really cool. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the best. Cause when people are like, oh, um, which company do you work for? I'm like, here's the name of our company. And right now we're selling the house where Bugsy Seagull's like eyeball flew out. And they're like, oh, that's cool. So and <laughs> is that a I'm,
1: selling point though? Like where did the eyeball land? <laughs>
0: it was somewhere in the living room. And I think the <laughs> the shooter was on the side of the house, but it's like 15 houses from where I grew up. Yeah, it's on And LinkedIn. this is
1: your mom's listing, right? This is my mom's listing. Yeah.
0: So that's really cool. And then, um, and that got like, I mean, that thing went viral. Uh, we had uh, um, several interviews, press pieces. I mean, it was really cool. And then another good example is uh, Rochelle Mays uh, at my company has a house on Rossmore listed. And that's and called- she's,
1: a, I'm sorry to interrupt, but she's yeah. like a rock star. Yes. Um, she's one of the, she's one of the top agents in, in California.
0: Yes. In the I country. mean, I would argue I mean, she's, she's a, one of the top agents in the world.
1: Yeah. In the world. Um,
0: okay. Yeah. But we'll take California being as competitive as it gets. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I second that. So she has, it's called the Rossmore house and the Abbey is a, uh, it was, it was the guy who owns the Rossmore house founded a very well-known gay bar called the Abbey, which is in West Hollywood. Yeah. It's yeah, really famous. Of it. Yeah. Huge. Mm-hmm. It's one of the busiest, longest running. So he founded it, he owns it. And he had epic parties at that Rossmore house. Yeah. So we got a ton of press for that house. And so I think listing agents are having to come up with different themes specific to properties to try to kind of separate it and tell a interesting story and get eyeballs and people to come take a look at the house.
1: Are your agents focused still on a lot of social heavy social media? What, what are the channels that they're using there?
0: Yeah. Social media is huge. Um, Instagram's uh, is really big. Um, we are doing some, you know, uh, sponsored, uh, you know, uh, some sponsorship stuff where click and all that on uh, Instagram and Facebook TikTok, we have some agents doing some TikTok stuff. But, you know, for the luxury stuff, the demographic may not quite be there. I think right. that, like, TikTok is something that I think is going to continue to gain more ground. But if I'm trying not to get there before, you know, I want to get there early. So it's not our focus yet. Um, email blasts, I'm trying to think of other stuff. Uh, sometimes there'll be events. Yeah. So just ways to get it to, to stand out. And we have um, uh, Quinn PR uh, on Retainer, and they help a lot with doing that stuff as well. They'll uh, set up interviews, and we'll, like, sit down and think, like, okay, so I have, let's say, a place like Rossmore. Um, I don't know if Hollywood Reporter was where we broke the story, but that would be, like, a very good fit for that. Um, I think we did... Uh, maybe a uh, Hollywood Reporter for the Bugsy Siegel House, Rossmore. I'm not sure if we did Hollywood Reporter or like, you know, Mansion Global or or Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal. But there's a lot of thought that goes into the places we market, and sort of the media channels that we uh, choose.
1: Well, and I would imagine with with the luxury listings that you have uh, that are just magnificent, it's not a very hard sell uh, when it comes to to getting pickup on the PR side. Yes. So we've had an interesting first half of the year here. In terms of the rest of the year, what I'm asking you to do a crystal ball thing, but curious on your thought. Yeah. Curious on your thoughts. What are we going to be looking at both in the luxury market, California, LA, but sort of across the board, if you had to guess where we're going to land in December, what would you think?
0: So I think the fourth quarter of 2022 and the first quarter of 2023 were the low point. Um, I think that uh, luxury market in LA is going to get better, that people are going to be more used to uh, measure ULA and that transfer tax. And I think that places like LA, there's always somebody making money, right? There's somebody who has an IPO, sells something to a private equity, sells a real estate portfolio. There's always somebody making money here. So I think that the second half of the year is going to be good. I think it's going to be uh, great for the uh, more affordable stuff. I think it will be better for the luxury market. I don't think it's going to rival 2021. I don't think it's going to rival the first half of 2022. I'm thinking that it's somewhere between the first half of 2022, and the second half of 2022. And that is where things will kind of settle. Um, but I feel pretty good about things. I, I do think that things are are picking up. And uh, now we're at the peak selling season. And I think it will start to be reflected in the numbers.
1: You you personally, Michael, and your family and your company are are not ones to rest on your laurels. You've been at the top of the game pretty much consistently from day one um we're, we're we've gone through a crazy crazy ride but as we look to the rest of the year and going forward what are you going to do to make sure that your momentum stays um peak throughout whatever happens
0: so for me i think the two things that we do really well uh i think one is our culture you hear companies talk about it but i think like if you're acquiring 10 companies in a city I don't know how you manage the culture. The cultures of the companies you are acquiring are going to be different. And I'm sure there are some people who are really good at getting everybody together and similar and on board. And uh, But I think we have a very strong uh, culture. And then I think we offer a lot of service. I think that we go over and above for our agents. Um, I was helping an agent price something over the weekend You know, they reached out to me on a Sunday um, and I sent the comps, looked at everything, the explanation, where I think they should be priced, what I think they'll go for. Uh, Another agent later today, I'm going to be looking at um, where I think he needs to reduce his property. Uh, It's a condo in downtown LA to get it sold. And then there are other things where, you know, I'll come and I'll meet with people and their clients. So there's a lot of that stuff that I think that we do. Also, we do a lot of um, you know business planning and coaching and then kind of going back to the culture part of it, it's a family business. this is a this is a great business. it's fun, it's dynamic, but it can also be devastating and you can work for a long time and sometimes you just catch a bad break. and I think to be at a place where you can go and give somebody a hug and have somebody listen to you and and to tell you, uh, what they think you should do and pick you back up. Um, we had, uh, an agent and I remember she bid on a house that she had an escrow and it went to court and it was subject to overbid and she got overbid. And this was early on. in this agent's career, who's now very, very successful. And I remember calling her and saying, where are you? Uh, I'm home. Get dressed. We're going to go out. We're going to go eat dinner. And just that kind of thing that you just, yeah. you just don't usually get at other places. My my door is a open door policy. None of my offices are locked. You can walk into my office. Everything is sitting on my desk. When I read a article in the real deal and it talks about like having to run to the uh, printer before somebody else sees it because you're worried that they're gonna like steal your client. That to me is like crazy. And the other thing is all of my agents there are no they they can go whenever they want in the sense that i don't i don't lock them into long term contracts where you know if they leave they have to pay this back to me that kind of goes against the spirit of brokerage the whole idea is that you're supposed to be somewhere because you want to be there this new kind of culture of mercenary mentality where you throw money at people and you force them to stay and then you tie it towards the last time they receive any money to pay back all or, or, or the entire amount. It's just not, it's just not right. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I think it's kind of damaged the sort of uh nice genuine part where, you know, you want to work somewhere, you work there. And if you don't, uh, if they're not taking good care of you, you have the option to go and explore a different opportunity.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and people want to work. For you and stay, your retention rates are great. People love working for you, and it's it's clear why. So, in terms of the the communication and the the ongoing conversations you're planning on having with your agents and your sales managers um, through through the end of the year and into the beginning of 2024, what are you encouraging them to do to stay to stay on top of their games?
0: So I think that we were all so busy. I've heard uh, Mike Staver and Dan Elzer and some of the other uh, leading RE coaches talk about it. We were so busy just getting back to people, right? We were running. We we didn't have time to eat lunch. Um, yours truly got shingles in twenty twenty one. Fortunately, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was pretty quick. Uh, but but I mean I need to go get my shot. Yeah, well, I'm. I'm not uh, soon. I'm not. I'm not quite there yet, age-wise. But soon. I am. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, everybody, go look get look your it. shingles shots. <laughs> you don't look it, but uh, so it, the market was crazy, and I think that we got a bit sloppy with keeping in touch with clients, uh, prospecting. Yeah. So that's sort of what our focus now on is helping our agents do that, reminding them that they have to do it. I'm a fan of keeping in touch with. Clients uh, two to three times a year. Everybody has their own thing. Uh, Most of the people that I work with are busy. They like to hear from me, but they don't want to be smothered by me. Um, And I think that every agent should have sort of what they feel is right and to follow it. So we're helping our agents doing that, getting back to it. And then the other thing is meet people in person, pick up the phone. There are certain things that are old-fashioned or old-school, whatever you want to call it, but they're effective. You know, being in being in person, uh, coming into the offices, we're encouraging our agents, come into the office. You don't have to be in here every day, but come in. Uh, it'll feel nice. You'll get in your routine. It's easy to get distracted at home. But the main thing we're helping agents with right now is is focusing on prospecting.
1: You know, and it's so funny when I talk to talk to top leadership in in the brokerage space, there's a tendency to do just what you did, which is qualify that best practice as maybe a little old-fashioned or I I think that the message that comes through over and over again from top performing brokerages is this is the key. This is what our industry is built on, right? It's that human connection and you can put All the technology in place that you want, and it's great, but all it should be uh, is a feeder system to ensure that uh, you're ultimately making those human connections. So, old fashioned, no, brilliant, fundamental, yeah.
0: Listen, it's Um, what works, right? It's
1: It's what what works. works.
0: You look at the agents that are maybe newer, haven't been through a cycle, and their business is getting hit harder than the agents who have been through a few cycles, are calling people. So uh, to give you a couple of other things, we told agents. One, um, maybe think about doing some uh, multifamily deals, right, because that's another uh, revenue stream. And right now, right in LA, what do you hear? My kids aren't going to be able to afford to live here. They're going to move out of state. Well, if you make it easier for them to afford to live here, they're more likely. Two, we're telling agents, do leasing. There was a, 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 a slew of leases the first quarter of this year. So do some leasing. Don't thumb your nose up. It's fine. Right. Three, um, expand your geographic territory and outgoing referrals with leading RE, right? Great way to yep. make a connection. Uh, I have a listing right now um, that I referred out in uh, Texas. Uh, I helped them find a place here. They're reverse migration. They're moving... Uh, to LA uh, or specifically to Santa Monica from Texas instead of the other way around.
1: It's happening.
0: I connected them. They were on the market with another company. It didn't go the way they wanted to. I connected them and that listing is in the 6 million plus range. So that's a, another great opportunity. Best return on your time.
1: I love that story. And, and, you know, that's, that's one reason why everybody wants to Get in the network. It's it really does generate business. And on the leasing point, I mean, it's it's not just like some short-term cash. These are these are future business people. My agents, I started out leasing with him, right? I mean, that's that's how long that relationship has been. And and I, you know, I'm devoted. So get those, treat those leasing relationships as top clients and they will stick with you for life. I think some people just sort of go, ah, yeah, you know. Here are a few, here are a few places. You're a renter. Ah, I got better things, but that's, that's potential gold down the, down the road.
0: Yeah. And right now, like, especially in the high end, we have a seller for a house, uh, North of sunset in Beverly Hills. And he's like, look, we're going to sell this house. The matter of time. Uh, I thought my wife and I were going to move in here. She has no interest in moving in here. I don't like the market price right now. I don't think the economy is a little bit, I'll take less for lease, lease it, and in a year or two years, you'll sell it for me. And that's like a 15-plus deal. That's, that's gold. Yeah.
1: So, Michael, my favorite question here at the end, of the end of the show for everybody, what is the piece of advice from a leadership perspective that you've been handed down or that you come back to time and again?
0: So I think like any organization, it starts at the top. And I think if people see you working really hard day in, day out, first one in, last one out, always accessible, I think that sort of sets the standard. And that's always what kind of has worked for me. One of my strengths has always been my work ethic. I felt that I had to work harder than other people. And that was how I, how I won. And I like the, uh, Thomas uh, Edison quote. uh, Genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Yeah,
1: it's true. I tell my kids that don't get frustrated. Do it again. Do it again. I love it. Michael, always such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for being on the show and hopefully get to see you soon uh, in person. We've got more, lots more leading RE events in the pipeline. So hope to Hope to get to to see you very, very soon. Thanks again for making time.
0: Thank you. Hope to see you soon. Be well. Bye.